You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. 702 and Cape Talk. Take your bite with Aki Anastasio. <laughs> Hey? This was before it was Archie Anastasia. I right? know. Archie Anastasia. I like it. I like that it. Sounds so hot. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Morning, Yubi. How are you, man? I am. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, Lots in store. What are we going to start with the review? Well, yeah, we'll just start off with uh, with a bit of a health thing. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of the of the Fit, Fitbit devices. Um, I actually use the Fitbit device with my training regime, and uh, this is the Fitbit Verse. Um, it, it's a great little device. Um, you'll notice it looks very similar to the Apple Watch and uh, that kind of form factor. This is the Fitbit Versa, and it, I wouldn't say it's a budget range device that they've come in with, but they've come in with an affordable uh, version of the Fitbit uh, that you can use to train, and it's got all the features that the the high end uh, device has got. But uh, this one's got you know 24 hour, 24 seven heart rate tracking. You can get on-screen workouts, you know, the sleep stuff that you can work out. And it's got smart features like replies on Android. And um, you can, you know, connect it together with, to your phone and you can use it uh, to, to reply. And you can use it as a payment e-wallet as well. When I say a payment, they've got a payment system that's integrated as well. So it's sleek and it's, you know, the one negative about it, it doesn't have a GPS. So if you want to go running, for example, it does pay eventually with your watch's GPS for the mapping and that. Okay. But... Um, uh, it's a nice device, three grand. It's the Fitbit Versa. Battery life is four days on that, which is great. So That's pretty cool. You know, for people who do yoga and uh, boxing classes and that, it's really, really useful. But will it keep them from injuries? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, you see, I must tell people, uh, our listeners, he's been doing boxing classes. He does weights. He's very active in the gym and even yoga over the weekend. How did you find that, by the way? Was it? No, the yoga your... was hard because I'd injured my wrist yes. from boxing. And obviously you have to, the whole point, not the whole point, but one of the points of yoga is yes. learning how to obviously prop yourself up on your hands. So that was a bit hard. So Natalie, if you are listening, I'm coming for yoga today, but you're going to have to pretend that I have one arm. I don't know what it means for, for the session. Yeah. Because there's so many other benefits in terms of just the poses, oh, the breathing, the, the mindfulness, no, all sorts of things. I agree. So I don't want to skip it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, the body is a strange thing, right? You can get excited about something. Yes. And then you're just in your groove, and then you have to be off for a month because your technique was off. Can and I then you injured yourself. It's horrible. I once had a very, very uh, embarrassing experience doing yoga. Well, I've, I've tried the Bikram yoga, which is the sweaty one, and they yes. put you in a room. And then I had the regular yoga, and I really got into it, right? And you go in a totally relaxed state, and you know the last three minutes where you, you actually, you're like floating, and you don't realize you're, you're like in a zone, right? Yeah. But I, I, my, I, I was, I had, um, What's the word I'm looking for to try and be diplomatic? But okay, it can be. Just, uh, I farted. <laughs> <laughs> in the class where everybody was meditating. And it just, out of the blue, you know, I was, and I, just by mistake. And I was so embarrassed by that, you know. So just be careful. It's that so funny you should you. say that I had that thought on on Friday when I had my <laughs> session. I was like, I really hope I don't fart. Especially because it was a private session, one-on-one. I couldn't blame anyone else. It's, it's, it's either her or me. You, you're in these all positions. It pushes air out in all sorts of different positions. It's a bit embarrassing. Uh, love anyway. it, love it. Anyway, who wants my DNA? 
Well, you interesting. I'm watching you having smoothies. You eat very, very healthily. Now, Nestle. I, don't, don't be fooled, dude. If I ate healthily, I would have a six pack. But at work, I, I, I try and I try and eat healthy so that by the time I have bad carbs for dinner or lunch, that I feel less bad. We all have those ones, yeah. and I do them too as well. But you know, here's the thing: that we're getting older. The world's population is aging, especially in a country like Japan. Um, and I don't know if you've ever tried this DNA testing. I've done the DNA testing, where they take a swab from your uh, inner mouth uh, from your gums and they send it to whoever some laboratory they come back and they say this is your body this is your body type this is your blood type this is the foods that you should be eating this is what's good this is what's bad for you um so now what nestle is doing internationally they're using artificial intelligence dna testing and you know this massive obsession that we have with instagramming food but they've started this program in japan where there's a really a very elderly population and they're gathering a lot of data about the wellness of people, their diets, for example, uh, what they want to do to improve their health and longevity, for example. And they're using 100,000 of these users to test um, a program. And they send pictures of their food via 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 this uh, popular program that they're using. Um, and they basically are going to start designing food specifically for your DNA type and and really based on what you like. So, you know, with the vitamins and uh, the nutrient teas and the smoothies like the one you're drinking about at the moment, they're going to start taking the stuff and then they will start, 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 start supplying their, 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 their customers with these home kits specifically linked to whatever ailments you might have. So if you've got high cholesterol, diabetes, for example, they will structure your diet and your smoothies and send them through to you based on your diet. And this is where the world is going, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. if you look at the, the the revolution around food and everything, it's certainly gaining ground very, very fast. And people are uh, customizing their lives based on their diets and, and vice versa. So I find it really, really fascinating how people are changing. I wonder if it will change people's behavior. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, what if you send your DNA and then Nestle tells you, darling, you've got to be eating kale every day. It's not going to happen. But I remember my father telling me many years ago, and you know, he said to me that one day we're going to be mixing a powder and that's going to be your meal. And and it's coming like that, you know. And, and when you can customize that powder to say, I want a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of that, and you just sip it down, instead of having to physically eat those goods, um, if they can get to that barrier, and this is where Nestle is saying, hey, this Look, is where for the young people, is. it might sound outrageous, but yes. when you get into your mid-30s, your 40s, and you start worrying more and more about your body and the fact yeah. that you're not going to live forever – then, yeah, then these kind of like prudent ways of doing preventative exactly. healthcare suddenly become like really awesome. But now they've got the data to back it up, you see. So if they mm. know that Eusebius only sleeps six hours a night and, 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 and you know, during the day he's very active doing this, <laughs> What's then the I have to customize diet? Yeah. the diet yeah. for yeah. you. Stunning. Listen, one of the biggest issues, we focused it on the show a couple of months ago, but society, the world over needs to focus on it, yeah. is um, the unsustainability, particularly of single single-use plastic, but plastic in general and what it does to the ecosystem bottom of our oceans. And you're going to tell me what, that what technology may help us a little bit? Well, I think it's, I found this completely fascinating. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a startup called Ocean Cleanup, right? It's a Dutch non-profit organization. And their aim, and they want to do is like clean up the ocean. Now, if you look at the oceans, as you correctly said, you've, I remember when you did the show, that uh, around the world we've got what they call these massive garbage patches. And they are situated, there's about six of them in the world, and they 
they're situated in the, in the middle of each ocean, and it's the waves that influence the way the f- the plastic floats. And I don't have to tell you about how many whales and how many fish they find with that they've ingested the plastic. But the reality is that um, you know, in this particular section of the ocean, which is situated between uh, Hawaii and California, hmm. there are eight one point eight trillion pieces of plastic in the in the actual ocean, and they cover an area twice the size of Texas. So of the ocean cleanups goal is that they want to reduce the the, the plastic in the oceans by 90% by the year 2040. It's quite an ambitious target. And the guy behind it is an interesting guy himself. His name is uh, Boyan Slut. He's a Dutch inventor. What's that? Boyan Slut. Slat. Oh. Slat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a family I mean, show. Yeah. Yes, a family anyway, show. This guy was 18 years old when he founded this company in 2013. Right. This for me is quite extraordinary that this young person at the age of 18, five years ago, says, I want to change the world. I want to change the ocean. There are now more than 70 staff members that are part of the ocean cleanups team made up of engineers, researchers, scientists, computational modelers, and you name it. And their aim is to clean up the ocean. So they've designed this thing, which is like. I would say he describes it as this giant Pac-Man, you know, that kind of swallows mm. the plastic. And they, they actually this weekend launched this off the coast of San Francisco. And uh, this is the start of a few of these systems that are going to be going out into the ocean. But now it's a real-time example. They've been using algorithms and they've been using all sorts of things to see how this will react with the massive waves. Mm. Um, and they deployed the system over the weekend in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they're testing it. They're using telemetry stuff and, uh, you know, the trajectory of each system, etc. Etc. Et so they're using very smart technology to optimize how fast it is. But the simplicity of it is amazing because it's like a literally a, a long stretch, kilometer stretch of these pipes that float above the water and below the water. It's like a not even a net, but it, it moves in a certain direction, guided by the algorithms, and it catches the plastic wow. and then it makes it That's into fantastic. this U shape. So here's here's the actual founder because they asked him over the weekend about the challenges. One of the challenges that this um, uh, new well this new device they've been working on it for the last five years they're called the ocean cleanup google it but here's the inventor boyan slat uh, talking about the ocean cleanup on september 8th 2018 the ocean cleanup will launch its first ocean cleanup system into the great pacific garbage patch over the past five years since the ocean cleanup was founded We've done a lot of work to get to this point. On one side, understanding the problem, many reconnaissance missions, expeditions, and on the other hand, doing all the scale model testing and prototyping and calculations to make sure that we can eliminate every risk possible before launching this system. We believe that every risk that we can eliminate in advance, uh, we have been able to eliminate. But that doesn't mean that all risks have been eliminated. Truly the only way to prove that we can rid the oceans of plastic is to actually go out there and deploy a world's first ocean cleanup system. And there are three main risks that we hope to be able to tick off in the coming months. The first one being the behavior of the cleanup system. So does it indeed get propelled by the waves and the winds? Is it able to rotate around fast enough when the direction of the wind and the waves change? Uh, and does it make this nice U-shape that we want so that the system is able to act like Pac-Man? This is something we've been able to, to study a lot with scale models, with, with computer simulations, but I'll still be very relieved when we are able to see this in reality. And 
Yeah, so there you go. There's a snippet. But, you know, go, go and Google these guys, the ocean cleanup, and it's happening right now. And it's, like, super exciting. And I really hope that they, they can get to their target. That's a massive target. 90% of the world's oceans cleaned of plastic by 2040. And just to give an idea, 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic sitting in that one patch between Hawaii uh, and uh, California. Thanks, Zaki. Have a lovely afternoon, you see, Just you, try and use, uh, you know, use the other hand now for yoga. It's okay. I'm ambidextrous. Oh, never knew that. <laughs>